Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. I see we've got uh, a little space back there for the young ones that are going to stay up here with their parents. If you're going downstairs, I'm going to dismiss the children if we have an uh, opportunity for that. I want to welcome any first-time guests or visitors. Thank you for coming. And we, we bless you if you're traveling or visiting from somewhere else. We, of course, have people traveling and visiting family. It's that time of year, and I want you just to be really quiet just for a second. Come, The Bible says this in Psalm 46, or no, 40, yeah, be still and know that I am God. So there's a good thing about being still. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Almighty, says the Lord. That's taken out of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, and the Lord guided me in my time with him as I was thinking, okay, we'll begin to work through the vision and uh, share some of the high points and get people ready. The Lord redirected me this past week to direct your attention, not to what's coming, but uh, and that can kind of sometimes come across in a horizontal way or what's my part or what's God going to do for me then. But the Lord really met me in a, I pray that it's come through me to you in such a way that you know that Jesus is the I am of God. He's the alpha, which is the beginning, first letter of the Greek alphabet, and the omega and the ending, which is the last letter, and he's everything in between. So the Holy Spirit directed me and confirmed it in my, my private time with him, and I just really enjoy being with Jesus like you do, but I wanted to guide you to focus the whole of your attention this morning on the Lord. And I want to talk to you about some of his names and let you know who he is, because if you discover who he is, you'll find out who he always was. And if you find out that he's done something in the past and he doesn't change, then that gives me great hope and and comfort that he's going to do that again. And so uh, I'm honored to share with you the word of God this morning. We read last week what the angel Gabriel was sent to announce to his parents You shall call his name Jesus. We have focused on him this morning. A little earlier in the timeline of human history, in Genesis chapter 15, the word of God says this. After these things, God was speaking to a man named Abraham, and this is the record that Moses wrote about him several hundred years later when God called Moses up into the mountain of Sinai and said, I want to get alone with you and I want you to write what I show you and write what you hear and pass it on to the people. So we have the first five books of Moses that were given to us, recording human history in the beginning all the way up to Moses. In the Old Testament, you'll often find those four letters capitalized. The reason that those are capitalized is it, it, it's translated Lord in the English, but it's actually the word for Yahweh, which was God's covenant name. And God didn't reveal that right away, And as I was waiting on the Lord, and I I just love hearing God's voice, and I know you do too. We are his sheep. We hear his voice. We're still learning to hear it more clearly and often and accurately. But the Lord was speaking to me, actually, as I was walking through the promised land, uh, checking a few traps to keep the critters out of that land. And the, the word of the Lord came to me as I was just meditating on what he had given me for you this morning and for me and for us to go out and share this with others, that the... Hebrew tetragrammaton, or the word Yahweh, 
that didn't get revealed right away to man. And the reason is in Genesis, in God's quoting or speaking in second person and in third person through Moses here, but Moses is identifying God as God or Elohim. You're the God that we worship. Call on God. And it's not so much general. It was a, a, a direct reference to the Lord, but it wasn't the same as Yahweh. And I was thinking about that, and God was okay with that. In fact, uh, you know, we don't get the word Yahweh entered into the Hebrew scriptures until the life of Abram. Very interesting. And so as I was meditating on, and this will bless you, this will bless you, I hope. It really blessed me. And I thought, oh, God, now I'm getting it. He, he spoke this sentence to me. He said, um, God didn't reveal himself as Yahweh because he didn't need to reveal himself to himself. He already was and needed no one to affirm who he was. The reason God began to reveal himself as Yahweh is because man needed to learn who God was. And that's important. That was what our brother Ian was getting from the Holy Spirit and confirmed me. So, the ti- getting back to the title, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Almighty, says the Lord. Uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. I'll progress a little bit uh, here with Abram, then I want to move to another generation where God was going to do something and remind people of who he was. The goal that I have this morning, if, if I had to look at the purpose of this sermon, is to get you to know that God loves you, and he wants to have interaction with you. He knows of every need that you're in, in, involved in right now. He knows of things that you had been involved in, and he's This is what really encourages me. God is already standing in the fullness of his presence where I'm headed. He's already there. It's not like when I get into trouble. Hey, God, will you come and get me? Hey, I've been here all along. Here's the way out. Uh, You know, you'll hear a word behind you. That means probably you're you're out ahead of him. This is the way walk in. This is the way out. So here we are. After these things, God comes and uh, visits Abram and says, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now, if you read from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, you'll find that Abraham gets this great word. His older brother dies. His name was Haran and left a son named Lot. And God called, God called Abram to leave his family over there in the Tigris-Euphrates area, the modern-day Baghdad, and follow God to a land that he would show him, say a land that he would show him. God had a purpose and an intention for Abraham's life, life experience. I'm so happy that the creator of the universe condescends to get involved in a personality like mine and, and call me to listen and to, to process and then to share things. Well, it was the same with, with, uh, with Abram, but he had a crisis in chapter 14. A lot of times our second processing of uh, of what God spoke to us that, that might get us in difficulty. And that's what happened in Genesis 14. Josh, uh, Abraham's flocks were growing, and so were Lot's, so they divided. There was strife between their servants. They couldn't get along, and you know, Abraham took the high country. Lot took the plain, and you remember the trouble 
They came in in 5 Kings versus 4 Kings. They stole a lot and took them all the way north. Now, those of you that have been to Israel, will you just raise your hand if you've ever been there? If you've been there with me, raise two. I'm sure glad you came. I had such a blast. But uh, they, they took a lot from the, the Dead Sea area. It wasn't the Dead Sea yet. That was hap- going to happen later. They took them all the way up north, up the Jordan Valley, all the way to Tel Dan, way up there at Caesarea Philippi. So he's a long ways from home, and Abraham goes after him. He's in this family crisis, and blood was shed. He took 300, I believe it was 326 house-trained servants. So Abraham had a, he had a downline. He had staff. He had family. He had people that wanted to be under his guidance. He went up there, and you remember the story, and they finally rescued Lot and came back, and I, I can almost hear Abram saying, you know, <laughs> he, I got this great promise. What promise? Well, let's look to Genesis 12. Here it is. The Lord said to Abram, this was his first call. Get you out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you, this is a personal promise, and revealing a personal promise that is going to reveal a God purpose for a man. So we have a spiritual God in heaven going through the transformation process, the metamorphosis. It's like oil and water, they don't mix. Uh, Not so. If you really analyze it, oil and water do mix, they blend. How can rainwater drop on an olive pit and produce an olive tree that produces olive oil? So even though man says things don't mix, God's bigger than that, and he knows how to blend things together. Here's the point. There was going to be a spiritual God in heaven send a message to a natural man on the earth, and God was going to see that that message got accomplished. That's a good word. So here's a five-fold, actually a six-fold blessing. This is good for you if you're going to get ready for Bill to help you with a Bible reading plan that you might have greater interaction and dialogue with the Lord. That's great. But here's a good thing to remember, Genesis 12, 2. Here's the fivefold or sixfold blessing that God gave to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to follow my leading, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And you, all the families of the earth, will be blessed. The whole earth will be blessed through man. I'll sign up for that. Lord, make me a blessing like this. So Abraham's response in Genesis 12:1 was, yes, God, uh, thank you. Uh, but it wasn't, he wasn't talking to the Yahweh revelation of God. Now, when God wants to bless you, uh, he speaks his purpose to you. And then he says in Genesis 15 and verse 7, by way of reminder, after this family crisis, remember the fivefold or sixfold blessing, I will bless you, I will make your name great, I will bless all the families of the earth uh, in you, I will bless those that bless you, I will curse those that curse you, And I will bless you in the land where I'm taking you. God wanted to do something with his life. And that came and several years passed. Abraham leaves the Ur of the Chaldees over there by the Tigris Euphrates. And in the process of time, amasses 326 servants and so much cattle and and goods that he can't even dwell with his son or his nephew. But after that crisis, it says after these things. I want to kind of tie the after these things in to this new season that Abraham was coming into. God reminded Abraham that I want to make you a blessing. 
That's the first part of this. And then he includes the blessing, or included in the blessing is the inheritance of land, and the purpose of the inheritance in land was to bless many families. That encourages me. That's bringing a God down to the earth that's in heaven, that's in, you know, anyone can interpret and you can. I went into the chapel the other day after visiting Matt. Jamie was there and others, the family was there. And I just always stop into the chapel there off the family center. I've been in there many, many times in the hospital. And front and center, I'm thinking I'm going to go up and find a Bible. It was a Koran. I'm thinking, my goodness. I looked around and this guy, I said, used to be here. Oh, yeah, it was back there in the corner. So I went back there and it was open, Psalm 27, began to read it. And then I just, and then on the way out, it, it, it said, you know, all the different symbols of different religions. You're all welcome to come and call on the name of God, whoever that is and however you do that. And that, as good of a thing as that is, boy, you know what? If I was wrong in what I'm doing, I would really want to be told. Wouldn't want to be wasting my life energy and the focus of my worship and prayer. So God, you, you are absolutely welcome to come and correct me. And that's what God was doing with Abraham. Yeah, you've promised me all this stuff, and my wife can't even conceive, or she's probably the way she handled that, she thought it was him. Here's the maid. <laughs> See how you do with her. So, you know, we're gonna find out if it was a, a dual issue or a single, singular issue, and we found that out. So Abram's going through these things, and in the midst of it all, God comes in and reveals himself, not only as God, but all of a sudden he states this new word to Abraham, Yahweh, I am your reward. I am your shield. So Abraham is the first one to begin to process this. In 28, uh, 13, Genesis says, uh, the Lord stood over the ladder that Jacob dreamed and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, the God of your father, the God of Isaac, and the land whereon you are lying I am going to give it to you and to your children. So I'm seeing that the Lord has purposes in his uh, plan for mankind, and he has a purpose for you, and he has a purpose for me. It says in the scriptures in Acts chapter 15, as James was speaking, that the Lord knows everything he's going to do before he even ever spoke it. And it says this, I love that scripture, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And so he's uh, at perfect rest and peace with where we at, where we are at in the timeline of history. So I want to speak the, the greatness of God to you. I want to encourage you in that. And now I'd like to move uh, farther down the timeline and show you a progression of revelations that God gave to his servant called Isaiah. In Isaiah's lifetime, he had lived pretty much almost at the high point of uh, the divided kingdom where there was the north and the south and the southern king 
were doing pretty good. And Isaiah was privileged. He was of royal seed, and he spoke prophetically to six, six different kings' administrations. So he was kind of like, let's, if we could say Billy Graham was called on by many presidents to advise and counsel and pray and all of that. Isaiah was kind of one of those guys, and um, he said, or he is uh, giving us a revelation that's kind of progressive of the Lord's, this is what our, our sister Stacy was singing, of the Lord's nature. If... If he's the God of the, all those other religious books in there, and some, some of the symbols, I don't even, you know, stars and stripes or clouds and moons, I don't even, even know what all that details out to. But God wanted to be so personally involved with his creation because he loves us that he would reveal his nature. And very often it came when man had a need and God presented himself as the meter of that need. Before I leave Abraham and as I move to Isaiah here, may I point out that after this family crisis, Lot's gone, my wife's not bearing children, did that negate the promise of God? No. And in fact, this difficulty that Abraham encountered didn't even stop the promise of God. God comes back into his situation and restates his purpose, restates his plan, and said, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to make your name great. Your family name is going to be great. I'm going to work with you and change it and add to it. But uh, I will make you a, a blessing to your generation. Those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will come against and curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we're understanding that the primary purpose of every human being the primary purpose is to discover the love of God and then to begin to relate to Him as a lover of man, and then we begin to express our love to God. In order for this to happen, God would allow seasons to mark time. And this is where this comes into this morning. The communion is a memorial of a season. There was a season in the earth that allowed the man Jesus Christ, who was every bit God and every bit man, there was 33 years space in the timeline that God used to display his love through a man, even though God is spirit, and that spirit uh, came into Mary, and Mary conceived and brought forth Jesus. In order for us to make the most of our new seasons, and not like Abraham, he got, you know, angry at the king of Sodom. If you read the account, you know, in today's vernacular, he was ticked off. When he was offered a thank offering for what he did in bringing back the, the armies, he said, I don't, I don't even want a shoelace from you. That was not a godly thing. He was speaking spitefully into his, the cause for this bloodshed. And um, so he, he would have run. He would have quit, perhaps. On the other hand, God takes away the darkness of sin and confusion in order that the light of his love might shine and reconnect us to his purpose for our lives. God uses seasons to do that. 
He uses month ends. He uses weekends. He uses year ends so that we can put a bookmark or a book end and say, I'm done with that. I didn't finish the book. God says, it's okay. Time's up. My daughter-in-law would say to me, I'm working on a document with her. Oh, we, let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's make it really, really work. She said, Dad, pencil's up. It's done. Put it in the mail and trust the Lord. That's a good word. And because I'd be just constantly going around in circular, circular instead of linear forward. God wants you to move forward at the close of this year. In order to do that, I don't want to point out anything that you've done or that you need to do. I want to point you in the direction of him who is, him who was, and him who always will be. His name is Jesus. And uh, then you'll begin to see growth and development occur in your life. And uh, in these seasons, you'll be able to mark them. Oh, that's the time where, that's, that's the year I first read through the whole Bible. Why? Because someone came along and reminded me how important it is and, and did it alongside of me. Or that's the year I went to the, to the fairs and witnessed and talked about Jesus. That's an important thing for us to be doing. And so God raises or, or allows seasons and then shows us um, how to make the most of that season. Now, let's look at what he said to Isaiah. I want to just walk you through a couple of these I am's. 700 years before Jesus, as Isaiah was ministering to the kings, they would have their, their needs and crises. And Isaiah would get before the Lord, and he would hear the Lord, and the Lord would minister his nature through Isaiah, and Isaiah would write it down and take it to the, to the leaders. And so here's a couple of them. The Lord said through Isaiah, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I got a little, you know, I like little one phrase things. I am the boss. That'd be a, a good uh, summary for that. God says he's the boss. Then he said, for I am, now he's speaking Yahweh. Anytime you see I am the Lord there in caps, God says, Yahweh is my name. My glory will I not give to another. My praise to graven images. Yahweh is your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom and Ethiopia and Sheba for you. So God paid a price to have this relationship with us. In Isaiah 43, reading on, Isaiah was in a flow of revelation. God was speaking to him about who he is and who he wants us to know him as. He said, for I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So the Lord is claiming exclusivity. What does that mean? That means it, it isn't all, all six, you know, hit, hit all six prayers and hopefully one will make it. God is claiming to be the exclusive creator of the universe and the Savior of man, and he says, I am the Lord, your creator, and that, that exclusive creator is also a king. I like this. In Isaiah 44, God's getting personal with man, and I've realized this as a father, and especially as a grandfather, that people want to be listened to. They want to be loved. They, they want to be encouraged. They want to know that they have value, and where do they get that from? Well, God is like that. Isaiah 44 says, One shall say, I am Yahweh's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself 
by the name of Israel. So not only does God watch the needs of his creation, but he adopts and fosters. Did, did you know that God is good to even those that don't even know him? He sends rain and sunlight upon the just and the unjust. And so even in our, like Abraham, time of difficulty, we can know that the I am is well aware of our situation. And he's going to provide shelter. In Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah was perhaps, if you look at the history, the northern kingdom was being besieged by Syria. That's the northern eastern tribes or, or clans that were coming against the northern kingdom of Judah. And it was leaving many people disinherited. Their families were broken up, and so they had to run for shelter and safety. Well, guess where they went? They went south into the Judah land, and so the king now is, how are we going to feed all these people that are coming through the unbuilt border wall? How are we going to do that? Uh, should, we, should we fence them out? Should we keep them out? Isaiah goes before the Lord, and he hears the Lord saying, people will come. I will foster them. I will adopt them, and they will be called by the name of your ancestors. So God's goodness is perhaps, perhaps, it's way larger than you give him credit for, and me too. So I wanted, wanted to uh, go on record as saying, I want to have a large heart like the Lord's. I want to be adoptive and fostering and feeding and sheltering and clothing, and that's a beautiful picture of our Savior. Then... Uh, and, and well, now that they're here, Lord, what sh are you going to help me? Isaiah 44, another revelation of Yahweh. The Lord says, I am your redeemer, he that formed you from the womb. I am the Lord, Yahweh, that makes all things and stretches forth the heavens alone, that speaks, that spreads abroad the earth by myself. I see a watchfulness in this uh, announcement from the Lord. I see that he's watching over, and that there's more than enough. Haven't we found that out in every generation? Joseph found it out with a, some administration, administrative prowess and genius and revelation and, and then hard work. He fed the whole then-known world, and the world's lands were transferred under their uh, stewardship. It was a, a wonderful translation of wealth. I believe that we're in one of those right now. God is moving things that are stockpiled, he's opening up the garners, and he's letting the vats pour forth so that there are none uh, in, in, without any need. God wants to meet needs, and he does that through Jesus. Isaiah 45, as we just move, I've just got a couple more. Yahweh the Lord says, there is none else and there is no God besides me. I girded you, though you have not known me. Sometimes you can get into a study and learn something about the Lord, and you think that you've gotten all that there is to get. And you, or we, I could just say myself, I'd go out with confidence and speak something as if I was the final authority on it. And um, boy, how, how young and uh, ignorant is that? Here we're told that... Uh, I girded you. I was there, though you have not known me. God is okay with being unrealized. And maybe that's why he loves it so much when we do take time to honor him and to worship him 
and to want to get to know him through his word. And then that only begins like a snowball rolling down a hill that others may know from the rising of the sun from the west and that there is none beside me for I am the Lord and there is none else. So as God begins to reveal himself, he does it for a purpose. He does it to reconnect us to his plan and his great love. In Isaiah 45, it says, Thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and has made it and established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So the Lord is restating his purpose, going back to the very beginning, and he's stating it to Abraham, he's stating it to Isaiah's generation, and he's he's sharing it with our generation. This is a really good one before I, I leave off this, this uh, line of thought in the Scriptures. God's revealing who He is by the nature of His name. Isaiah chapter 48 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord that teaches you to profit and leads you by the way that you should go. I, I, I like, I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm signing up for God's plan of profitability. I think he knows how to make a profit. He knows how to bring increase into a person's life. We've seen him do it over and over through the generations, and uh, he's doing it right now. That's who he is. So if you're here in, in the midst of a need, I speak that name on you. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 24 through 26, the Lord said this to Moses. He said, you tell Aaron... As the priest, that he's touching the people more because, Moses, you're spending time with me here, and while you're with me here, you're not down there. Uh, but Aaron's down there. So you tell Aaron to put this blessing on the people. And he said, said it this way, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Most preachers We'll stop right there. But the next verse is still the dialogue of the Lord telling Moses how to treat God's people. So the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, toward you, be gracious to you and give you peace. And you, the priests, you, the leaders, you, those that hear the Lord, shall put my name on all the people. So I am I'm right in the zone I am right in the zone of what God calls a man of God or a woman of God to do. Put his name, Yahweh, on the people. So if you need need a season of profitability, I put the name of Yahweh who teaches you to profit uh, right in your spirit. Oh, well, within you spring up the ability to get wealth. I prayed a prayer on the internet, or an internet, a text message. I was in bed, and the messages were coming in. Someone was very distraught that we serve them here, and I, I love this family. And I could just, I could feel the pressure mounting. It's going to, I'm going to be homeless. I just spoke the word of the Lord. The enemy that's afflicting you has no power over the God that saved, has no power over the God that saved you. And though these things are assailing your mind, God is at rest and peace, and he will send provision. Finally, I had to just turn my phone off, turn it upside down, and went to sleep. Got up the next morning early. Pastor, thank you so much. I can't believe it. I got a text from the Social Security Department. They've reinstated our... And, and I just... And thank you for a man of God and a first lady that pray. I am putting the name of God on you instead of telling you 
what votes you should vote, what person we should put in office, where to put your money. You know, this is, this is going to do really good in 2020. You know what's going to be really good in 2020? Yahweh, the God who loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. So he, he teaches us to profit. And here, if you're raising children, if, you, if you've got extended family, Isaiah 49, I think this might be the last one. Um, then I'll bring it to Jesus because he is the I am. But uh, Isaiah, Isaiah gets, he, he hears the Lord saying, And kings shall be your nursing fathers, and queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust at your feet. And you shall know that I, Yahweh, I am Yahweh, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. He, God is summoning people that know more than you to help you with what you don't know. Thank you. That's, I think that's part of his I'll teach you the profit plan. Someone knows how to do what you're doing better than you do. And if you'll ask the Lord, I just speak that surrender to someone that's a professional. I remember Pastor Mike Murdoch telling me years and years ago, if you got something to do, hire a professional. If you don't have the money, borrow the money because the professional is going to do better than you and you won't have to do it again, which will cost you the same money that would have cost you to get him in the first place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for kings and queens and greatness nurturing us. Then God concludes with Isaiah. Now, there's a significance in this. Isaiah 51, it says, uh, God kind of throws this out there, kind of just like a shot over the bow. I am Yahweh God that divided the sea whose waves roared. Uh, the Lord of hosts is his name. That's translated the God of angel armies. <laughs> God is the God of the heavenly hosts. He's the God that is personal with men. I place his name upon you. And uh, in one final revelation, and this is the last uh, I am the Lord in the Old Testament. I believe it's 126 times God reveals himself that way. Um, Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I, I've always enjoyed the first part of that verse, but I kind of, I'll just be honest, I was uneasy with the last part. But now I'm easy with it because I understand it. It's the whole of this revelation taken in, in this way. Malachi is not Isaiah's generation. He's not Abraham's generation. But he's facing the same thing. His, his issue was the stinginess and selfishness of God's people. The sons of Jacob were not living right. And so what does the Lord say? I'm going to smoke you all with the next election. That's not what he says. He says, I am Yahweh. And I change not, and that's why you're not going to go down. <laughs> so, you're catching that. Uh, so in the midst of a perverse generation, God says, I am Yahweh, and I don't change. Remember, he teaches profitability. He brings uh, nurturers, queens and kings. He, he redeems you. That means he paid the price. He, gave three, he names three nations. He moved aside to redeem a people that could just simply showcase his love. The Jews were no more special than they were just in the trophy case. But everybody gets to have that blessing. And God says, I don't change, and so that's why you'll not be consumed. That made, that made me excited. Now, Jesus quotes this, moving to Jesus' day, and this comes to our day. Jesus was in a conversation that got, maybe heated is the wrong word, um, tense, quick, it was in John chapter 8. You remember the story? The woman was taken in an immoral act, and Jesus released her. And he, he disarmed the accusers, 
they weren't so much going to accuse her, they wanted to get at Jesus. And afterward, he's still there, and this dialogue begins to develop. How can you do this, and, and this, that, and the other? And they're challenging who Jesus was and where he came from, and what right do you have to circumvent Moses' law? And Jesus finally begins to tell them, you, you don't know my father. If you did, you wouldn't be saying what you did. And then he says in Greek, he said, and we're talking about Abraham in the beginning, Jesus quotes Abraham as seeing the day that Jesus would be on the earth, and Abraham was glad. And they said, well, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you saw Abraham? And then Jesus answers very clearly in Greek. He says, before Abraham was, and he quotes Yahweh, I am. So he stands in the flesh. One of nine times in the Gospel of John that John hears Jesus self-proclaim himself as the Spirit Yahweh in the flesh on the earth. So what would, what would Yahweh do if he was here? He would do what Jesus did. And that's our call, to be like Jesus. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, if anyone be in this Christ, anyone be in Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. David, will you come here? I can't. I need to move this uh, once again. I, how do we get over there again? Oh, push once. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. It went the other way on me. So, here's my conclusions. God used the revelation of his name to encourage Abraham that the family crisis was not the end of God's plan for his life. God used the revelation of his name in a prophet named Isaiah to encourage the kings that God's plan was still in effect. God used the person of Jesus to self-proclaim himself as Yahweh in order that people could go free and not perish. Jesus claimed to be the I am, and he offered himself as a friend to sinners. As we conclude this year, I want to invite you to begin to bear testimony to who God is. If you've heard some new things today, then let that be the testimony that you begin to carry. Not just blurt out, but think about it and, and uh, carry it and then present it as God gives opportunity. If the year has brought a difficult time, I just invite you to less, let the past rest and let it rest in the bosom of Christ, who came and expressed his nature in the midst of the people's needs and met those needs. I encourage you to be strong in the right now season of your life. And trust God to guide you into the next season with his new morning mercies and his new evening goodnesses. It says, goodness and mercy follow us. As we commit our lives to Jesus together and uh, it, thank him for the salvation and forgiveness and the health and the wellness that he promises, I want to uh, make you aware that there's people around you that are going to need what you're experiencing. They'll need your testimony. 
They'll need your prayer guidance. I'll quote uh, Lowell's message from the men's Bible study there the other day. There's five very important words. May I pray with or for you? I've never had anyone say no. Most say okay, and sometimes you can do it right there. Then the, the last scripture I have for you today is found in Revelation. We actually began with it. I love this. Would you... Uh, Join me in standing and honoring the God who's already dwelling in the next year. He's dwelling in your, your resume. He's dwelling in your next date. He's, he's in the midst of any affliction you're going through. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last, I will give to him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Father, I just take this uh, closing prayer moment. We've flown the flags of your name here today. We've raised the banners of who you are. Thank you for being the same. Thank you that you still forgive sin. You still hear prayer and answer prayer. And as we move through this closing week of this year, we anticipate your goodness and mercy uh, increasing. We thank you that your light is growing brighter. Even though darkness covers the earth and gross darkness covers people, your glory is rising on us. We say thank you for that through Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for calling us by name. Thank you for visiting us here uh, this morning in, in the person of the Holy Spirit and speaking a personal word to each and every one of us. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if we're in the right key, but could you just uh, lead us in that? We got history. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I was there thinking about him. Mm -hmm. Thank you for granting us a full inheritance, Lord, by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for being our Redeemer, our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.